We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, maiden voyage on the program. Super excited. We're going to be really guest heavy uh, this postseason. Welcome in, Rohan Kati. Rohan, I should have asked you how to pronounce your name up top. We, we were talking about Nailed the series. Uh, you know, you he, he does stuff for uh, for Yirostep, who, you know, we've had Ty on the show several times. So we wanted to kind of branch out and hear other voices out of Milwaukee. Rohan, how did I do your name and, and, and how are we doing today? Doing well, doing well. And you nailed the name pronunciation. So thank you for that. Okay. Well, I feel, uh, I feel better. Yes. It's always like I, I've heard, I've heard some, some wild ones in the past, but uh, no, you nailed it. Appreciate that. But I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about like a good basketball series because that's what we're here to talk about. Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks with the Heat up 2-1. And uh, I know you you had tie on after uh, game two uh, earlier game one after game one yeah yeah it was after game one before game two and it's just been such a whirlwind as we're gonna get into but just man what a series so far what a series chat saying uh you know who's this other Rohan they're familiar if I had a nickel for every Rohan that has been on the show I'd have two nickels Uh, shout out to Rohan Nadgardi of Sports Illustrated friend of the show a friend of mine so. Hope, hope we get Ro back uh, on the show before the playoff ends. I know he's a busy man. So let's, hey, listen, let's just jump right into it. You know, we have game four coming up, but you know what else we have? Miami Gaming Parties, because you deserve a customized gaming experience. Miami Gaming Parties delivers private custom video game tournaments for gamers and their lucky guests. This is truly custom. You can pick the game and the package. Pre-member black tie VIP for 8 to 16 people. And they bring it all. Everything from PS5s to trophies for the winners. Play at a play at home or at a venue of your choosing with free on-site consultation. Perfect for birthday parties, bachelor parties, anniversaries, corporate events, or anything you want to celebrate. Check out MiamiGamingParties.com for more information. On Twitter, at GamingParties. On Instagram, at Miami underscore Gaming underscore Parties. Or search Miami Gaming Parties on Facebook. Guys, Check them out. They support what we do here, and they keep the lights on, and they're you know 
pretty much a godsend in the playoffs. So give them a look. If it's something that you're interested in, you know, Colin and the crew over there, they do a great job and, and honestly, really, really nice, great people. So on to basketball. Rowan, uh, you know, I think the biggest adjustment, you know, for Miami, kind of even going into the series, was playing Bama at drop, which is kind of funny because I think whenever the Bucks come into play, there's always some, there's always like, a, oh, well, you know, drop stinks or whatever, which is kind of weird because the Bucks always have the best defense in the league. So clearly it's good for something. But it, it, you know, I think in the playoffs, it can be a little bit exploitable. I think people are kind of obsessed with switching nowadays. But, you know, Miami, who is the switch team, they changed their scheme. First for Giannis, they were dropping Bam and having him guard him one-on-one. And, and now against Holiday, you know, even when Jimmy Butler is on Holiday and, and typically Miami would love Bam on guards, that's like really the objective of their defense is, to, you know, to get Bam as their point of attack defender and kind of prevent drives to the rim. You know, Miami's kind of pivoted. They, they've gone drop. Jimmy's Butler's going over picks. They're respecting Drew Holiday's shooting, which he's been, you know, very dangerous this series. And I think they've kind of identified him as a problem to stop. How have you viewed how they've defended him? Because I, I think he's... And we've agreed kind of on our pod that he's the head of the snake with Giannis out. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the defense now has to tilt towards Drew Holiday. So uh, it, it didn't necessarily surprise me to see Miami make that adjustment to sort of like counteract what Drew Holiday had been doing. Because with Giannis out and Chris Middleton, who used to be the head of the snake, uh, with the next in the pecking order with Giannis out, he hasn't been that guy this season dealing with a lot of injuries, still hasn't found his footing coming back. So it's it's honestly like it's it's weird to see, but it's not surprising to see Miami like adjusting to Drew Holiday. Uh, but you you hit the nail on the head. That drop defense against Drew Holiday really sort of switched things up a little bit because you don't have any sort of like uh, mismatches that are, could be created by switching. You uh, can leave, leave uh, uh, like a. Uh, all-world defender in Bam on Drew. You can not let him bully guys because that's what Drew likes to do when he gets his switches is he likes to go and he likes to go and bully guys. And uh, Drew Holiday, strong as an ox, one of the best, uh, one of the best strong strong guys. He's not going to bully Bam. (laughs) That's that's not really going to happen. So once he gets down low, he can't really do that to Bam. So it's been a, it's been a worth, like it, it, it really worked well for Miami. And, uh, I think it's just showing the the drop defense is still it's even though it might not be in vogue it's still good and uh, as a, as someone who's covered the Bucks for a while now I'm always I'm always a proponent of the drop defense but uh, in this situation it's really worked against Milwaukee. It's so interesting because like I, I think about like how Giannis would affect this right so like right now they have Bam on you know mostly on on Portis which I thought was interesting as they kind of kept Kevin Love on Brook Lopez and I'm like that's weird because like they like to screen. With Lopez a lot, so like you'd kind of want Bam in those actions. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if Love's on Portis or or uh, or Brooke. They're just Milwaukee is spamming him and pick and roll, and they're really going at him. And I I think probably Spo recognized that, and they probably felt more comfortable helping off of Bobby than they do off of Lopez. I do think Lopez is a really I thought in game two he killed them off cuts more than anything. It was like kind of getting Lopez moving into his spots rather than posting him up because I, I think you saw in game three you know when they did try to post him up a couple times the fronts were there bam's coming off of portis to come help on those fronts and kind of be behind in case he he gets the catch so kind of interesting obviously with Giannis there it complicates things right you you kind of have to really account for him and, and now there's a ton of a, a new added variant of like okay when you're screening the roller is the most dangerous person 
I think in these cases, it's not right. It's Drew. So I think that's the other element of it. But despite that, I think Miami's done, you know, a terrific job considering, I don't know if you knew this, Ron, their defense fell off a cliff after the all-star break. It's been like bad, abysmal. Yeah, it's it's been like I, that was something I was tracking as a, we were prep, uh, doing a little bit of preparation for the series before it started. It's just like, oh, is this defense gonna like? Are they gonna t- like do the cliche flip the switch because it was uh, it was not great post All Star break and trending uh, wrong. It uh, the switch has been flipped <laughs> to say the least. But no, that defense, like you mentioned, uh, first of all, I think inserting Kevin Love into the starting lineup was. Uh, I think it was a good call because we saw early in game two, we saw that the Bucks were just abusing their size. Yeah, uh, they were just like, okay, whoever uh, Max Struess is guarding, like Duncan Robinson is guarding, like if you, anyone's matched up on a big, and you're not a big, you are getting put in the basket. Like we are going to play the the classic game of which guy is taller, and we have the taller guy. So that allowed Milwaukee to sort of build an early lead, and then they're just shooting took off from there. But not allowing those obvious size mismatch mismatches excuse me was uh it, it was a it was a necessary move but like you mentioned bring kevin love in it kind of let milwaukee sort of attack him uh, or try to attack him by bringing him in all the screening actions but miami's defense has really really held up and one thing i've noticed is it's hard it's 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 difficult for me to say this because it's like obviously Giannis fixes a lot uh and he hasn't been playing but one thing is in uh, on the defensive end for Milwaukee, like and on the offensive end when you're talking about Miami's defense, they can't bend to Giannis. Like if you're if you're Miami's defense, you have to load up against Giannis on the offensive end. You have to lo- you don't have to load up against anyone else really on the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's really been showing if you're uh, if you're Miami is like you can throw your occasional doubles. You can flash uh, help uh, towards guys like Drew Holiday, towards Chris Middleton. And you don't have to worry about it because the other guys aren't you're not worried about them killing you and they haven't been killing you. So Miami's defense has really stood the test. And like it's easy to say Giannis fixes a lot of this because it's like, yeah, he's probably the best player in the world. But you don't have Giannis, so what are you supposed to do about it? And Miami is really, really taking advantage of it. I want to give a shout-out to Spo because a lot of fans, Rohan, here in Miami, have been, like, they've been really down on Spo this year. They've said this is a bad Spo year. And I think there's some validity to, like, it's not, it's not it wasn't his best, you know, run at the year. But I think kind of you see in the playoffs this the adjustments, right? It's like we, we were a switch team all year. That's out the window. They had a game plan for Giannis. I mean, they and and it was different than what they've normally done. They always kind of switched and loaded up, and, and they still, you know, did the whole build the wall thing and all that stuff. But you know, they, as I've said before, they kind of kept Bam in single coverage, all that stuff. Giannis goes out. They try a defense in game in game two, and it did not work. And then they totally revamped it again. And <laughs> we've seen th- Miami throw three different coverages at Milwaukee. And and credit to Bud, by the way, for you know shredding whatever they did apart in game two and and we're going to talk about some of kind of the micro adjustments in game three but i i just wanted to give that shout to spo because i I think fans have been kind of hard on him and i just think that not and and to bam as well like playing a different coverage than you've played the last three years is not easy to do and to do it in such a in reality game three was so high leverage for miami more so to miami than milwaukee because milwaukee kind of wins this game whatever you're tied 
2-2 going home, you're still going to have home court. For Miami, it's like, if you don't win this game, like, you're probably not winning the series, you know? So, I thought it was kind of huge for, for both of them. I just want to give them a, a small shout because I thought, I think fans have been kind of tough on them. It's well-deserved. I mean, that's one thing we thought of uh, at the Eurostep coming in. It's like, if there's one coach you don't really want to face uh, in, in the playoffs, it's Eric Spolstra. Because even though, like you mentioned, uh, Heat fans have been kind of down on him, had a little bit of a down regular season. I'll take you at your word on that. He always rises to the occasion. He, he he makes sure he rises to the occasion. And that's why he's like, he, he's on the upper echelon of NBA coaches in NBA history. It's like, he, he is that dude. <laughs> and he has been that dude in the postseason. And he's just one of the smartest basketball minds out there. So he's really showing what he can do because even though Giannis is hurt and like there's a plethora of injuries on both sides now, it's just like, yeah, I can put my guys in a really good position to win no matter what our roster construction looks like. And that's what Eric Spolstra does. Let's talk a little bit about Kevin Love and kind of how he's going to survive in this series. Because if we're looking ahead to game four and if I'm Milwaukee, you know, you're kind of thinking, okay, like what are the soft spots that, of Miami that we can attack? And, and I think they for sure identified Love. And they put him in pick and roll a ton. And I thought Miami, you know, did a good job. They showed him really hard up top. You know, if they, you know Drew would kind of call Kevin Screener. He comes up. Kevin Love gave a really, really good hard show. Bam is the low man. You know, Lopez slips. Bam kind of rotates over. Okay, I'm on Lopez. That pass comes in. They don't care about Portis. He's he's in the he's in the weak side anyway. That's a difficult pass for Brooke to make. And you know you you give yourself a chance and 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 it worked. I like the the adjustment Bud made mid game. They're like, okay, well let's not let Bam be the low man. Let's make that low man Max Struess or Gabe Vincent or whoever a small guy is. That's not going to bother Lopez on a roll. And I thought they got some good stuff out of that. You know, the, like Kevin and Bam weren't sure, like, are we switching? Are we showing? You know, Middleton got an open three off of that. I think that's one of the areas where they can kind of, which is kind of ironic by putting Bam in an action. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it helps your offense. But I think like Middleton and, and Holiday, because Bam, I, I don't think he's going to be very comfortable going over screens and neither, you know, that's going to be tough. And if those guys can kind of hit those pull-ups, I think that kind of opens that dimension for them. And then you have Lopez to offensive rebound when your two bigs are on the perimeter. Yeah, it's that was a really it's, I'm really glad you highlighted that because that was something that I had noticed a little bit. It's like, okay, this isn't working. What can we do to mitigate this? And uh, one thing about Brooke Lopez that I thought of when you were talking about this is like you're not really worried about Bobby Portis on the weak side because it's like it's a tough pass to make. But uh, Brooke Lopez, excuse me, he's not the best passer in the world. Uh, when he, when I don't want to, I ball. don't want to call him Embiid esque, but he's you know, it's 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 not pretty. He's no CP three. That's an understatement of the century. <laughs> right <there. laughs> and uh, Brooke Lopez, especially, like he he had a rough a rough game three by his standards. But if you're putting Brooke Lopez in a position where he has to make a decision about making uh, a like a pass, because it's like. If, if, like, Brooke Lopez sees Bobby Portis is open on the weak side, like, other players can swarm to that pass, and they're not really worried about Brooke Lopez making, like, jump passes behind him or anything because he only has the one option available to him because he's either going to make one pass that's wide open or that a passing lane that can be jumped fairly easily if you, if you look for it ahead of time, or he can just try to go and take Bam at the rim. Like... He's not he, – the, the rare occasions where he does pass out of it is 
it's it's like oh wow Brooke actually passed the ball but it's like in Miami is also like reading these ahead of time which makes it even more difficult on Brooke like you're putting so much pressure on Brooke if you're ha- consistently having him involved in these actions uh, with Bam Adebayo as a low man so I thought it was a great great job by Bud to try and like can we what kind of variation can we get from this but I'm sure I'm sure if they uh, I'm sure if Bud wants to go to that in game four I could see Miami doing something like oh can we they see you're bringing Bam into a screen. Try to try to create that mismatch. Could you try to like scram out of it? I think if you you're switch Miami? that. If it's Love yeah. and Bam, I think you switch it. The problem is, it's like this is what Atlanta did in in the playing game. They 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 made Lowry the low man, and I know that Lopez isn't the roller that Collins and Okongu and um, Capella are, but they were just killing them off off these rolls, and Lowry kind of rotates to help, and he just he just genuinely stands no chance. So I I figure. You know, if that's you know, they'll switch that and then they'll live with Kevin on on Middleton. They might send the corner man to come help, you know, or or you know, kind of live with the result of that. But I, I think, I think that's I think that's a battleground that we have to explore, uh, or that the Bucks are going to explore because it was really the one area <laughs> of Miami's defense that I'm like, mm, uh, they kind of got away with that a little bit. You know, they weren't they were not challenged. They, the Bucks went to it a couple times. And then they stopped. They were more holiday centric, which Miami like really had an answer for. So I think that's one thing we got to look out for in Game Four. I think that's I think going at Love a little bit more efficiently is is kind of okay. Well, how can how can we do that? And then the other thing, Rohan is the Bucks are the best transition offense in the postseason. Uh, clean via the clean in the glass, 159 offensive rating in transition. That's first. And I thought in Game Two, so many of their threes came off of. Kind of those trans. It was Engels kind of in semi transition. It was Drew Holiday in transition. It was guys with trailer threes. Pat Connaughton flying all over the place, right? And if you're the Heat, you made a like even in that first quarter. I thought so much of Milwaukee's best offense came from that. It's like kind of Drew in semi transition. It's Middleton getting a pull up. It's Miami getting a weird cross matchups. It's like oh fuck, Max Struess is on Brook Lopez. God damn it, and stuff like that. And I thought Miami kind of started hitting shots, and it kind of slowed kind of that part of it down but i think milwaukee has to make it a point to to try to force some turnovers live ball stuff get out get out and move and try to create offense that way because for sure getting my miami has so many like bad cross matchups against the bucks that's another way if i'm milwaukee i try to go at miami for sure, I completely agree with that. But the issue is, is that Milwaukee on defense, like in order to create those opportunities, you need to be more aggressive on the defense. And they're side. conservative. You need to gamble. Yeah. yeah, you have to be conservative because they don't have their all-world wrecking help defender to clean up all their messes when they're uh, being aggressive on defense. Like if it, like the 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 Bucks have been so so conservative on the defensive end because they have to play whatever actions they are one on one, two on two. They have to do that. Because they can't allow any mistakes. Because you're used to having, okay, you have Lopez at the rim, and you have Giannis to clean up everything. And you have Drew Holiday, if he gets behind the play, you have him trailing as well. Uh, yeah, Giannis isn't there. <laughs> Giannis is not there to help clean up your messes. Um, and what what makes this Milwaukee defense so intimidating is that you have uh, Drew at the point of attack, you have Brooke at the rim, and you have Giannis to clean up your messes, like I mentioned earlier. One of those aspects is gone, and you need all three of them to work in tandem for them to actually you for, to, to make that system actually work. If you don't have that cleaning, 
Drew can't be as aggressive. He can't like try and like jump screens. He can't try and like be aggressive going over screens because if he gets behind a little too much, uh, you have uh, just a wide open mid range floater. You have a wide open three. Like we saw that a ton with guys like Duncan Robinson early in the first quarter. Like if you just run like a basic empty corner with uh, uh, Brook and like Duncan and Bam, so you have Brook in a deep drop. It's just it's just a wide open three for Duncan Robinson or whoever shoot what like whatever shooter it is because you don't have any help defense. And again, I I don't want to be that guy who's just saying, oh yeah, if Giannis comes in here, he fixes things. Giannis makes this team run, and one of the things he does is allow them to be aggressive on defense, which allows you to create those turnovers and play in transition. Like it's 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 not just that Giannis is a great transition player. That's what makes uh, the Bucks transition offense incredible. It's because he allows them to play aggressive on the defensive end, creating those opportunities. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, I mean, and, and so I know that Milwaukee's defense has been good um, with Giannis off, right? I, I think that their their defensive rating is about the same when he's when he's on or when he's off. But I think kind of what you're talking about is is that like the ability to be more aggressive in, in, a, in a high leverage situation. I think as a helper, I think you've seen like, you know, the Heat have very successfully manipulated the help where it's Jay Crowder who has been playing pretty bad. It's small guys. It's Pat Connaughton. It's like Bobby Portis who like Jimmy Butler like doesn't give a shit about if he like comes to help. And I think that's kind of, I mean, I, I, Jimmy Butler shooting 71% against Brooke Lopez in this series. 
so you couple that with there is no help that scares him. Like they're getting to the rim and he's attacking because he's been bad in mid range. Actually, he's been lower than his season average for mid range shots, although he's hit like every three he's taken, which is like peak Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. Like, haha, this makes no sense. Good luck with this. But the fact that like he's killing Lopez, like he's shredding Lopez. He's getting whatever he wants. And it's not even off the dribble a lot of times. It's like they'll run like off ball shit and they'll get him like at the nail and he'll catch the ball at the nail and he's just one on one with Lopez and he just goes at him. He's either getting free throws, he's getting to the basket and he's, he's, he's challenging him. Giannis not being there kind of takes that element away, which is I'm curious, like if he does play in game three or four, like how does that look if he's limited or whatever? But credit to Miami, you know, Milwaukee's Brooke Lopez is a runner up defensive player of the year and they have not been scared of him at all except for bam oh, that's a different conversation but <laughs> jimmy and, jimmy and co have gone at him and and man bro like i i don't the fact that they're shooting 71 or jimmy shooting 71 percent against lopez is like kind of wild to me it's crazy like it's it's a lot of guys get intimidated when it uh they try to finish over lopez at the rim but jimmy butler has no fear over of that at all and that's no one fear. thing <laughs> it's just been ridiculous. He's finishing everything over Brooke, and he's like sort of throwing off his timing. His pump fakes are always patentedly really, really good. He's like Brooke Lopez is a guy who doesn't bite a lot, but he's biting on Jimmy, and he's finding the right angles and just finishing so like effortlessly over Brooke Lopez, a guy like you mentioned, second in Defensive Player of the Year voting, and just he's making him he's making him look like he's not there at the rim, which is just. It's it's an it's a testament to Jimmy Butler. It's not like trying to bring down Brooke Lopez. It's trying to say like, hey, Jimmy Butler is like really really fucking good. At this. Jimmy's a gamer, bro. He's he's incredible. He's playing ridiculous, and it's like you bring up guys like Boss Man Nine Nine and Pat. I love calling him Boss. Man. <laughs> I do too. I, <laughs> so I, uh, like you bring in Boss Man, and he's just like not bothered by him. And Jimmy is also not afraid of Drew Holiday, and he's probably the only guy in the league who fears that. Like Drew doesn't bother Jimmy at all. Jeez. And again, yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to do this. One guy who does bother Jimmy a bit. Uh, as a primary defender, is yeah. <laughs> Size has always been the thing, and it's like Holiday's really good and strong defender, but Jimmy's stronger and he's bigger. So, and I, I think Jimmy's like shooting like forty six percent against when Holiday's a defender, which is like you know it's like good, not great. You know, obviously Holiday is like an all world defender. Jimmy's sixteen for twenty at the rim. He's twelve for twenty from four to fourteen feet. He's one for nine from fourteen feet to the three point line. So like the long jumpers have been bad, which you know hasn't take, he's taken the fewest kind of amount of those and everything else he's been really really efficient on he's shooting like 60 freaking percent like every game of the series it's pretty crazy um 55 66 and 63 in his three games so he's been absolutely remarkable he plays you know Ro, he plays with like a violence that it's you know I, and i tweeted this earlier I, I said jimmy isn't wade that dominated games with speed maneuverability and incredible shot making he scores points in a way that feels defiant and violent it's laborious and looks painful but it's calculated he's equal parts genius and psychopath one of one and he's just he's like that kind of enigmatic player who you watch him kind of score and i'm tired watching him play like i feel exhausted because like the way he plays looks totally unsustainable but he kind of steps up and, and he does that and he's going at like these great defenders and you know my my snapshot and I've talked about this on the pod a lot my snapshot moment from the bubble 
more more so than Jimmy kind of keeling over, you know, after he he scored that last bucket on LeBron. It's when he was so unafraid of Giannis that he went at Giannis and scored over him, and he yelled to this empty arena in Orlando, "He can't fucking guard me." And I was like, "That's the coolest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life." He's awesome and insane because I would not want to make Giannis mad. Like, they're talking about poking the LeBron bear. That's over, dude. The Giannis bear? It's it's tough. Like, I'm always going to re- respect Jimmy. I'm a Marquette guy, too. So oh, let's it, go. It's like, yeah, it, it, it's always going to be there for me. But, like, yeah, it's he's he's a psychopath, but in the best way possible. It's like, it, yes. If you're a fan of this, it's the best. It's the absolute best. Uh, but yeah, they like the Bucks. They they're struggling with what to do. We were talking on our pod about hey, what do you what do you really do with Jimmy Butler if he's trying to like like hit all these shots? Like because the Bucks have been consistently going under uh, on on Jimmy Butler screens and allowing him to take these pull up threes. But classic Jimmy Butler, like you mentioned earlier, classic playoff Jimmy Butler. He's just hitting every three he takes. Like anything anything from three, anything at the rim is just cash. Anything in between is just not. It's just classic playoff Jimmy Butler. And we're talking, like, do you adjust? Do you, like, try and get Jimmy going downhill and try to, like, fight over those screens? And I'm just sitting here, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> what, <are you laughs> like, <doing? laughs> like, what What is, like, how are we at a point where we're talking about, oh, do we have to respect Jimmy enough where we have to go over screens on him? And What's that like, called Miami's treaty, Drew? Like, but Miami decided, yeah, we're going to do, we're, we're going to. They might have and to defend we, I think, I think, I think they do. I honestly think they do because you ha- you can't base your defense off prior things you have to take you have to take what's going on right now in front of you and adjust in real time to that it's like whatever jimmy butler shot in the regular season or in playoffs in the past or against the bucks in the past that doesn't matter that shouldn't dictate what your defense does what he's doing currently against you is what should dictate what your defense is going to do with him so you have to just you have to be more aggressive attack like uh on jimmy butler on defense because he's just killing you do you do you think they should play you know the whoever the the wing or, or Drew go over screens play Lopez a little bit higher and then send weak side help? I think you have to do that because if you're going if, if you're gonna go over screens like that, you have to bring Lopez higher. Like you have to bring him close to the level Which of the screen. He's for that been to happen. he's had series where they've asked him to do that. You know this is like Bud has made the adjustment that I know he probably begrudgingly did where they've brought Lopez as high as they need to, I think against the Nets in particular. Um, so, yeah, keep yeah. going. Yeah, no, like, that astute observation, because, yeah, they did that against the Nets. They did that a bit against the Suns as well in that title run. Yes. Uh, you you have to bring Lopez higher. They can't defend just, him you, like Kevin Durant, Rohan. They just, that's just funny. It's, it's, like, it's, it's But they, it's they have funny. to, though. I know, it's funny. <laughs> it's fucking Jimmy, dude. It's Jimmy. It's Jimmy Durant at this point. Like, <laughs> I just, I just, I, they have to. What other choice do you have? Otherwise, you're going home. <laughs> like, you you have to bring Lopez out. You have to bring, be, be more aggressive with him, or you because otherwise your other option is like putting Bobby Portis in more over Lopez and Jimmy Which is they've just been shredding Bobby. They've and that's the other thing I wanted to get to. So Miami has decided that they're sick of Bobby Portis and they have fucking made his life hell. I thought in game two, they, you know, I thought that I thought they lost that game when Lopez sat. I think Lopez and Holiday sat and it was like Middleton, Portis, Connaughton and like a bench and some like maybe Grayson Allen, like some bench guys or whatever, Jake, Jake Crowder. And Milwaukee extended the lead 
and I'm like, oh, this is done. Because they'd like the Portis at five is I mean I I even like Middleton at five. I know they did some of that yesterday. I like I like Bobby. I I, I like Middleton at five more than Bobby. They just they saw food uh, in game three when Bobby Portis was on the floor, and they looked for him everywhere. They tried to put him in Spain. They tried to put him in in any kind of action that they could. Um, if they if Milwaukee tried to hide him, which is you know I, I was kind of laughing at the idea like why did Eric Spolstra run Spain for Gabe Vincent five times, which is just like a fucking wa- I was like didn't run it for Kyle What's Lowry once, didn't run it for Jimmy Butler once, five times for Gabe and I love Gabe I'm a Gabe lifer but I was like but I think it's to get they're trying to hide Bobby and they bring him in like no you're you're in you're here you there you're gonna be in this action and that floater is going to be there that little pull up they use jimmy the play that jimmy got hurt in you know he he was a low man he was a low screener on, on the spain and, and that's where he got hurt kind of he slipped that screen and, and had that kind of body contact and fell but that's that's the area from miami that i'm like they cannot if i'm if i'm the heat the biggest one of the biggest places you miss Giannis is well now we got to play a lot of portis at the five now there's a lot of like no Portis and no Yon- no Lopez and no Giannis on the floor. And it's just Bobby and guys and Crowder's been a mess. And if I'm Miami, I'm like that. They like, you can't play that. And I think Rohan back to when LeBron was here, they played the Indiana Pacers. And the, the big thing was the heat made sure that the, that the Pacers could not survive with DJ Augustine on the floor, which made George Hill have to play like, 40 fucking five minutes a game because every time Augustine came in, it was like piranha. It's like, okay, guys go at him. Like LeBron switch onto him. Like you make it so that that guy is not playable. And I think that obviously to a lesser extent, LeBron and Dwayne and boss aren't here. Right. But you know, you have to try to make it so that they regret playing Bobby also by ignoring him on offense, which shrinks the floor and you kind of take away those passes to get him the ball. And then also to to kind of go at him on defense, and I I think that's worked for Miami a ton, and I don't know the answer for Milwaukee. Like if you're if you're the Bucks, like you got to play him. So it, yeah, it's tough because especially because he's been like such an offensive spark plug. Uh, Bobby Porter says also on DJ Augustine, the Bucks also learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, <laughs> DJ Augustine, everybody learns a DJ Augustine <laughs> lesson eventually. <laughs> <laughs> he always he always manages to get you, uh, but uh, yeah, they they just have no other options. Their only other big options are like, do you want to play Myers Leonard? <laughs> oh please, dude! I've seen that no. movie. We yeah, well, we, we call him redacted around here. Oh okay, yeah, yeah we call like, him redacted. That's that's yeah, fair. Red, that's yeah, fair. Red, we redacted uh, when redacted gets minutes. That's that's another. I mean, he was. Yeah, not, we might have to steal that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, keep going. But it, it's it's been it's like there's just no other big options. Like again, like with Giannis up, you can't do Giannis at the five lineups. And they 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 ran like you mentioned those those Chris at the five lineups. Like it was kind of like a hybrid Chris or Pat at the five, depending on the possession. And it was like, oh, we haven't seen this before. <laughs> uh, but I guess we kind of have to do Blood's it. What's <laughs> in the bag, baby? We I, it, to be to his credit again, that lineup was actually working fairly well because Chris, even though he refuses to play like it, is like six eight and like has some size. He's like their uh, one of their biggest guys now. Like it's like him, Bobby, and, and I mean I guess Crowder, but he's like yeah, their best big, boss man. <sighs> boss man nine nine. It's just, it's has just, he made it's a three this so... series? He's gonna make like seven. I'm talking too much shit. 
No, it's, I think it, it'll vary series to series. So if this, if the Bucks actually do end up winning the series, which I have no idea at this point, he's going to shoot 200% from three in the next round. The Knicks are so And that's fucked. just how he averages out to like 37%. It's incredible. Uh, well, that happened That happened <laughs> in the bubble because he lit the Bucks up, could not hit a shot against the Celtics. For his fucking Yeah, and he did that, did that the next year. Uh, he, he was terrible against the... Uh, he was good against the was Lakers, it? wasn't he? And then he was bad in every other series or something. Yeah, and even last year he was like really, really good against the Pelicans, and then was just no, he was bad against the Pelicans, and then really good against the Mavs. Even though he was like the only good son uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. I forgot about that series. Yeah, it's just it, I, one day in the middle of the off season, I just watched Dallas uh, uh, Suns Game Seven just to like feel something about basketball. But uh, we're, we're getting a little off topic here. But, feel someone um, for yeah. who? Like funny? Because that was funny. Yeah. It was funny, yeah. It, that's was, what I it was one of the funniest Game 7s I've ever watched. It was like... I just I wanted to be entertained, so I just threw that. I couldn't believe it. It was just... It was bad, dude. I was like, am I watching this? It's so good. It's so good. But, uh, but yeah, like, the Bucks' lack of size is really gonna... Like, especially if you can't play Portis. Like, the Bucks have been in this uh, position before. Like, we talked about earlier in that, that Brooklyn series two years ago. Bobby Portis was excised from the lineup. There was only one rotation player available. Like who? There was only like one guy off the bench who played the last two games, and that's Pat Connaughton, uh, because Bobby Portis was just he, he wasn't he wasn't viable. And it, honestly, the more the comparisons you bring up, the more vibes I'm getting. Like <laughs> that these two series are kind of parallel because they honestly are. You have that one guy who's just killing you uh, in Jimmy Butler uh, and Kevin Durant. And then you just have like these aggressive defensive schemes. You have all these uh, like games within the games that are going on, and it's just like okay, which one of us is gonna like outmuscle the other? Because it's just gonna turn into like a like a like a mosh pit at the end, and that's what this series is probably gonna turn into. It's just like which who wants it more at the deepest part of the trenches? Because that's the way these two teams like to play. Like they both like to play very physical styles, very smart styles. And at the end of the day, it's just going to be a dogfight. It's going to be like who has the weakest links? Because, like I said, we, we talked about Miami's in love, talked about Portis, right? And obviously, like you know, Tyler's not playing anymore. Who is like obviously like a target on defense? Duncan's the other guy, and I want to talk about him now. If I'm well, we're real quick on on kind of Chris at the five. I think it's pretty viable on non bam minutes because like, are you really scared of like Love? And I think the other thing with Love is that. You know, he's pulling that, you know, whether it's Lopez or Portis out of the paint. I mean, not that they care about Lopez helping, but really pulling pulling Lopez out of the paint. So or he Lopez stays in the paint and he's wide open. If you play kind of if you kind of time it so that, you know, okay, Lopez is on the floor, you're just playing Chris at the five, like are you really scared of like Kevin Love like killing you? Like not really, you know, like so I, I think that might be like a viable option for when, you know, Lopez has to sit, but I think it's going to be a high series uh, minute for Lopez. But going to Duncan, uh, happy birthday, Mr. Duncan Robinson. He's back, baby. He's back. Uh, we've missed him. He, you know, Ro, we've, bro, we've been hammering on this show. If you're going to play Duncan Robinson, can you please play him with Bam? Because they like playing with everybody that's not Bam. And Bam's his buddy. Bam's his little two-man game buddy. And I think the dribble handoff, 
is the way to go against Milwaukee because you isolate actions, because you take help. Even when Giannis is on the floor, you know, if you run Lopez in, in the – unless – then you have to put Giannis on Bam to change that, right, because he can't come help. You know, they get – now they're just running Lopez and then whoever the ball – whoever Duncan's defender is, whether it's Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Middleton. You know, they tried a little bit of everybody. They tried Drew on him at some point too, which I think is funny that they're having Drew chase this little white guy around. <laughs> I, that is you're laughing but it, at one point i was like is this happening <laughs> like jimmy Butler's on, like they're just, they're just jimmy's on the floor you know that right <laughs> like stop that man at all costs it's, a, it's yeah it, it's funny it's it's it's, it's, a, it's so funny but yeah you're right like duncan robinson being involved is just like especially with bam you're right because it, it makes the most sense you're leveraging both of their abilities to the like uh, to complement each other so well because they do complement each other so well and you're just attacking Milwaukee and like we were talking about earlier and uh in terms of like isolating actions with Milwaukee even playing more conservative than they usually do you are just getting whatever you want with that action like that's why it allows sure Duncan has to make those shots which to his credit he 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 did he, he was making every shot he really wanted. That pull-up three in transition, I was like, yeah, this game's over. I think it was like the second quarter. But I was like, yeah, this is over. <laughs> like, there, there's no shot. Uh, that if, if Duncan Robinson is hitting like this, it's just it, – it's it's not your night. So my thing with that is – so, like, I think obviously, like, they're going to they're gonna go to that. right? Like, Miami is like, okay, well, if he's going to hit shots, then this is, like, clearly, like, a very viable option for us. And if you're Milwaukee – you have two. You have two solutions. You can play Lopez higher, which I don't think they want because I think if you're Miami, you want that because then you can get Bam on slips, which Duncan has gotten very good at that slip pass. So if you play Lopez a little too high, and that like to bother Duncan's shot, you know you're getting Bam on a slip, and really again, no Giannis. There's no backline help, or you switch it, which I think is a more viable option. I do think because Bam's not a post-up big, he's not. He's bad at it. So like he's gonna get the switch and then he's gonna face up, and then you could just send help. If I'm Milwaukee, at some point I have to consider that. I know coaches kind of wait to see how. That's a huge adjustment. So I wonder what it takes for them to do it. I don't know if you have. I don't know what you think they're gonna do the next game. They probably don't do anything and they let him play out another game to see if they have to react to to Duncan. Like, is Duncan shooting actually back? But those were the two options that I thought of. I was like, I don't know what else they could do. I mean, we, we saw a bit of Duncan shooting in game two as well. So, I, And you're at a situation, you're like, you're at a point if you're Milwaukee where you have to do everything because you cannot go down 3-1. Like you, this is a must-win game if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. So you have to treat it like it's win or go home because it, 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 even though there's a lot of other factors and it's not over, it's essentially over if you lose this game. So I, I, I think they're going to go and be as aggressive as possible. Like at minimum, at minimum, I think they're going to bring Lopez at the level of screens. And you have, to, you have to consider, like you have to be ready to switch those actions. Like it, it, if anything, it'll start to take time off the shot clock. So you don't allow Miami to take possession after possession. Because once you switch it, you have to like reset. sort of reset, assess, assess the mismatches that you have and sort of work from there. And that takes time. And if you get to your if you get to that late in the shot clock or middle of the shot clock, by the time you get set up, it's you have to take you have to take the first shot that you can get. So that's maybe one one thing that Milwaukee has to consider uh, 
You could put Portis when on Bam too, I think, and then you could switch that more comfortably and still have Lopez as a helper. That's that's the next thing I was going to bring up. You hit that. Uh, is that the Bucks have been most comfortable in like switch everything lineups with Bobby at the five rather than Brook. Because even though Brooke is the more like traditional stalwart defender, Bobby is the more mobile one. Yeah. And putting Bobby in a drop is just not leveraging his abilities to the best. Like, because he he's just like you have to you have to recognize like he's the quicker big. What can you do to leverage that to make him better on defense? And if you want to do a switch everything scheme, you have to have Bobby Portis in there instead so of Brooke Lopez. They switched him onto Jimmy a couple times, and that didn't work out for them. I do think they can get away with it on Duncan. Although Duncan took Drew off the dribble the other day in the most, in the most what the fuck moment of my life, uh, did you see? He that? just went right to the rim, yeah. dog. It wasn't just that. It was Duncan's song. He's like, "Oh, I got Drew." He pulled the ball out like it's CP3 getting Zubac on a switch. He like pulled the ball. He's like, "Oh, like this," and then didn't even really beat him. He just kind of like muscled him, which was the other crazy part, and finished. And I was like. What parallel universe did we come Because I was like, to? yeah, that's actually like, it's like solid defense. Like, Drew did his best, but Duncan's like, nah, I'm finishing over you. It was like <laughs> Kawhi. He was Kawhi. That's like a Kawhi finish, dude. Classic, I don't beat my man, I don't care. Like, board man gets paid. ridiculous. Dude, it was Happy like, birthday, Duncan Robinson. Let's hope it was a birthday thing if I, you're Milwaukee. I, that shit was funny. Sorry for the aside. I just wanted to bring that up because it was truly like, are we, is this happening? <laughs> It was wild, yes. <laughs> but I think it was entirely emblematic of like his entire. Per- Actually, no, that's. I think that's a little disrespectful to say that because he did have a very, very good performance. Uh, no, I think it's fair to say that he sucked all year, man. He's he's been. Okay. He's man. Let me tell you, we've been begging for him to look playable. This is crazy. He he looks like a playoff hero right now. Ah, maybe that's the wrong word. Uh, Listen, <laughs> because- he has to, he he earns his keep. You know what I mean? He has that big contract. Uh, to, like real talk though, I I'm just happy that he he's had a lot of hit, heat on him, and I think he's gotten kind of unfair vile from the fans because he is really like he and Kyle are like the big bloated contracts that aren't like producing. I think Kyle's been fine. I don't I think I mean, I'm Kyle Lowry life right. It's my guy, but um I, I know Duncan for sure has not even been in the rotation, you know, and, and he's just this large cap rot right in the middle of your on on your bench right. It's preventing you from you know, doing things and, and it's going to probably cost them a draft pick, you know, with the second apron. Uh, we're going to have a show, by the way, hopefully next week or this week. I, I don't know. I mean, Brian Goins is really dying to do a cap show for you guys. So be on the lookout for, for our capologists to explain what the fuck's going on, but with this whole second apron thing and, and everything, but yeah, Duncan's just been the ire of everyone's hate. And I'm just glad that he got one. Uh, he deserved it, but uh, more, sorry to sidetrack, but on, no, on no, the, on the Bobby switch front, uh, hey, we, we always got to we got to support our podcasters like Duncan Robinson. Yeah, you know we got to former Blue Wire. You know what I mean? Yeah. We got to stick together. You know he was promised on our show and and then he left Blue Wire, so that never happened. But you know what? At least at least he offered. Yeah, at least that that Shout that out. was there. There was the potential of a relationship. He's like the third best NBA podcaster right now. Paul George is number one, right? We could agree. Oh yeah, Paul George is Paul George is killing it. And then Thanasis, I think, might be number two. And I got to be honest with you. We hate the Nassus. He's annoying. And you'd understand if he's not on your team, you're just like, can you shut the fuck up? Like, this is nepotism, right? But I, I, Rio got to recognize Rio. Great podcast. It's great. He does a, he does a lot of great stuff. Like, he, you can me. tell he knows what he's doing because he, he always asks questions that you can get social clips from. 
And it's like, yeah, this guy, this guy's a pro. <laughs> he knows what he's, he's doing. like those NFT bros that don't actually record a podcast, but they just record clips as if, have you seen that phenomenon where those people on like TikTok and Instagram, they actually don't host a podcast or like they interview porn stars. They're actually just recording that one or two questions and then posing as a podcast that doesn't exist. It's, it's the so dumbest weird. fucking 2023 shit I've ever seen. <laughs> It reminds me of that trend of people trying to take uh, take pictures in fake private planes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's so Wasn't funny. Was there an NBA player that did that? Was there? Chat, can you? Is it? Was it? I think there was an NBA player that was pretending to do that on a private jet. That's incredible. Was if it that's, Brandon Jennings? No, that was not, not my guy, Brandon. Jennings. I don't know, Chad. No, but, I, I, if I, and if I find it, I'll send it to you. But I'm pretty sure there was some player, and then NBA Twitter found him, and they're like, "This did not just happen." Incredible. Also, remember. Bobby Portis has a podcast. It's pretty good too. Bobby has a podcast. Yeah. Is it called yeah, Don't Blink? It's called Keep It a Buck. He should he should call it Don't Blink. It would have been incredible if it was Don't Blink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of Bobby Portis. <laughs> Uh, in terms of like a switching defense, uh, like, yeah, you have to consider that, especially because if you want, we, we talked earlier about like the, the heat are going to, like they've been hunting Bobby. So it, it feels weird to talk about like maybe Bobby is the answer on defense because after we just told, uh, talk about how the heat were ripping him apart, but he's such an integral part of this team in terms of like being a versatile offensive piece. Like he can provide a scoring punch when needed. So if you have the ability to leverage his defensive abilities to your advantage and sort of try and mitigate what Miami's trying to do. Listen, I'm not trying to say it's a perfect solution. There's plenty of ways that it can be ripped apart. However, like there are scenarios where you can see Bobby Portis is the guy who's the defensive answer uh, for the Bucks. We saw this at the pinnacle of success for Milwaukee when they won the title uh, in 2021. They were closing games with Bobby Portis at the five because Brooke Lopez could not hang in those situations. And we're like, there's a few parallels there that you can take because they're getting killed in their current defense. So you have to switch it up. You have to play a switching scheme, a more aggressive scheme uh, in terms of like whether you want to be switching or not. But Bobby Portis might be that solution. The only issue is, is he going to get into foul trouble like he got into last game? Because that's something that really, really bothered him and hindered his minutes. And uh, it sort of took him out of the equation, even though he was starting to heat up a bit. He just can't get into foul trouble. He can't make dumb mistakes. And that's something that Bobby is kind of prone to doing on defense is just making like mental lapse errors. Kyle took advantage of that. And it was so because Kyle had enough of Bobby. I mean, game two, you know, Bobby was getting kind of trying to get under dude's skins. And I think Kyle got, got enough of that and just turned the grift on to 100 it's it's like like when when bobby got that technical in game two like trying to talk shit to kyle lowry kyle was like oh you want to play that game i'll play that game if you want to play i'm ready to play. i'm the jokes master on you. I'm in, jokes on you i'm into that shit and then he just he went with it and he totally ripped bobby portis apart on that so it'll be like bobby portis is probably obviously Giannis. if Giannis plays that's going to be the, yeah. the the guy i'm looking forward to seeing the most but how Bobby is integrated into this team and whether they use him and to try to switch things up, that's what I'm honestly like one of the top things I'm looking for going into game four. Absolutely. Um, Rohan, I want to ask you, so we're close stuff out. We've had, I think we've had a, a great kind of perspective on, on kind of what we saw and what's to come. 
if you're Milwaukee and we're assuming that Giannis doesn't play, because we talked about kind of the impact that Giannis has if he does, let's assume that he's not gonna play, at least for game at least for game four. If you're Milwaukee, what are your what are your what are a couple win conditions that you're like, okay, the Bucks are gonna win if. And like the stuff Bucks that they can win. control, not like, oh, Miami gets like cold from three or something. Yeah. Like, you know, like what could they do that, you know, that is within their control that you're like, if they do this, you know, they 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 are likely going to win. Ball security. Ball security a hundred percent. That is one thing that really stuck out to me is that Miami was taking advantage of the Bucks' lack of really ball handling. And the primary uh, instigator that was Chris Middleton, yeah. uh, he had such a loose handle uh, in this game. And he's been struggling with that ever since he's come back from injury. And, like, because even though, like, we talked about, he's a big guy. We're talking about Chris at center lineups. Like, he's had, like, a really, really good handle. He's been a primary ball handler for Milwaukee. He closed. He closes as their ball handler a lot of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't been there. And uh, Miami is swarming and, like, forcing a lot of turnovers, forcing a lot of steals, like, getting in passing. It's like they have to keep the – like, they can't turn it over as much as they did. That's one thing that really stuck out to me because that that created a lot of opportunities for Miami to get easy points and then get into uh, get into the bonus because Milwaukee would have to, like, foul, getting back on defense and stuff like that. They were be- being put in positions where they can't really succeed. And it's all because they kept turning the damn ball over. Like, you you have to be more secure with the ball. That is number one, especially a coach like Bud who just preaches fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. You have to keep – you cannot give the other team free possessions. And that's what Milwaukee was doing. Like, credit Miami also. They were doing a great job of taking advantage of that. But you can – that is somewhat in your control. You can be tired. You can make better decisions with the ball. You cannot be so loose with your handle – because the Bucks were just they they were letting they were letting Miami's uh, swarming defense get to them, so turnovers is one thing. Also, just like being able to pick your spots and move the ball better, like again, that's easier said than done. Because Miami and their defense is being so aggressive, like there's a there's a few possessions. I think actually you had tweeted out a, cl- uh, a clip of this, uh, where Bam is just roaming off of Bobby Portis so far that he like uh, he gets. Uh, Pat is trying to pass to Brooke in the corner to post up, and then Bam comes from the weak side, sort of takes the ball, creates like a little scrum, and then eventually gets the steal. And Bobby, by the way, has relocated to the top of the arc or the the right wing, and he's wide open. Like you, there are going to be opportunities to find wide open guys, or just not even wide open, but like semi open guys, because Miami is being a little more aggressive on the defensive end, trying to hound these ball handlers. You have to be able to recognize the gaps, recognize the space, and move into spaces where you can get passes off because that's one thing that the Bucks have really kind of struggled with is they've gotten tunnel vision. You have to be able to see the rest of the floor. You have to see the gaps because there are going to be gaps. There's no such thing as a perfect defense in the NBA. Like if you are going to, if Miami is going to continue to swarm on defense, you're going to have some openings. You're going to have some gaps. It's on Milwaukee to find those gaps. Yeah. And I think that obviously Giannis is, is such a, a key ingredient to all that because really, you're, you can have a little bit of tunnel vision when he is kind of the guy, you know, kind of involved with the offense. I mean, I know their offense struggles so much. You know, they're, you know, the numbers would say that their defense uh, kind of stays steady whether he's on or off the floor, but it's really the offense that takes a huge dip. And I think kind of you're seeing that unless they have a really good shooting night. Um, oh, we have some love in chat. Nova99 says, showing love to streamers on my stream today. Hope y'all are having a fantastic day. We need some, positi- some positivity out here. Shout out to you. Shout out to chat. 
prayers are up to Oladipo, who, you know, was playing so well for Miami. So sad. Dude, it's heartbreaking, man. And then, you know, finally, you know, the worst, you know, it's bad no matter what. But the worst part is he finally got back in the rotation. Looked great. You know, Tyler goes out, you know, unfortunately as well. And, and they, you know, Miami's short on ball handlers. Really, they have two guards left that can handle it. It's Gabe and it's and it's Kyle. So, you know, Depot was that third guard. Now they're going to have to play a, a lot of Highsmith, which we haven't even talked about yet, or, or today rather. But, you know, Highsmith is going to be kind of a part of this rotation now. How that looks like, I don't know. That's going to obviously kind of limit. I mean, Oladipo is kind of moving the ball, kind of going downhill, kept, kind of kept things going. Highsmith is a stationary player. He's a good defender. He'll help them, you know, can hit a corner three or two. But I imagine Milwaukee is going to very comfortably ignore him. So that's going to be something to look out for. And I clamored for Highsmith minutes, but I, I, Oladipo kind of changed my mind off of that. Kyle and, and Gabe are going to have to play a lot of minutes. But heartbroken to see that. It's it's so sad. It's so sad. Like you mentioned, like he had a, he had a fantastic game. He was finding his spots. He was killing the Bucks. Like he was aggressive on defense and just like quick. It's just so bouncy, so, so quick. He felt like he was actually getting back to where he was, like Dude, sort yes. of pre-injury. He was flying. And he's just, he was. It was like he finally looked comfortable being Victor Oladipo again. And then just for that to be ripped away from him is just. It is heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Like I wanted to cry when I saw. Oh, it dude, we, was, we were. And and everybody in that arena was dead quiet and and like everybody reckoned and I I don't know I don't know if you watched the local Bucks broadcast or the ESPN broadcast but the ESPN broadcast they kind of you know had when he fell like you know they, they kind of had a, a camera positioned on him and you know Duncan comes over and you don't you can't see what Oladipo says and Duncan looks like whatever Oladipo told him his he like deflated Lowry comes over and he goes what did you say. Because you read the mouth, and then Oladipo says you don't can't see Oladipo's mouth, and Kyle just goes fuck, and he's like looks really upset and walks away. So that to me, I mean, we saw the the result today. You know, uh, gonna miss time. Hopefully, he can come back stronger. Hope that you know he can still stay down here and, and rehab with Miami. Although I don't know. I mean, I imagine at this point he opts into his 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 uh, his option this this summer. Hopefully, he can rehab here in Miami with the doctors that have been kind of helping his process. So. You know, prayers to Oladipo and his family. You know, he's I, uh, Ethan Skolnick, who was on, um, and Brady Hawk, who was on our, our, our post game last night, said that he was in pretty good spirits in the locker room on crutches. So at least you know he's having a positive mindset and and, and hope that that he can get well. But Rohan, thank just, you. Just go look, ahead. You're looking at the bench, it was just like you could see like I forget who it was. Just put their head in the towel, like Jimmy, just immediately. It was just so yeah, sad. Udonis like, like said, and, and Jimmy and yeah, yeah, just like prayers up, just hoping for the best for him because it's just it's so sad dude it was, it was absolutely deflating not to end on that note but uh rohan thank you so much for coming on and i've, I've implored you guys when ty came on check out how do I, is it is it you guys call it Eurostep? i call it Eurostep. yeah Eurostep. okay cool it's big. Like, like like the move yeah like yeah, the yeah, move. yeah it's a play oh, yeah. i just want to make sure i was pronouncing yeah uh check out Eurostep because they do good stuff and like i said in, in a series like this you know, you guys get our perspective and we're like, we've been in the heat trenches all year. You know, check them out if you want. You know, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we don't know. You know, obviously, like people that cover the Bucks are going to know the Bucks really well. And if, you know, you, you I think it's good to kind of get that perspective. So make sure to check them out on the Blue Wire family. We know that Rohan and Ty has been on a bunch. And I know you guys showed a lot of positivity to Ty in the, in the YouTube comments and on Twitter. So, you know, make sure to check out their show. Ron, do you have anything else coming up that you want to plug or, or, or what's going on over there in Rohan land? 
Uh, no, you can just check out all of our links at gspn.info that you can find everything there. But yeah, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the plug. It's just been an absolute pleasure uh, talking talking about this fun series. Fun, fun series that do you guys. So I think the Heat, at least I, I, I feels like the Heat take the Bucks very seriously and they consider them rivals. I don't know how Bucks fans or the Bucks feel about it. Yep. You okay? I, I yeah, it makes no, you feel a, good a, that it's, it's a mutual. series. It's 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 the the one I didn't even I did not think it was mutual. I thought it was one way as well, but just like it, it was like Bucks fans taking the heat too seriously. Uh, but the, when when that came out, what was it that Tyler Hero said that no one can wear Giannis shoes? Like they they banned them. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, this is this is mutual. <laughs> like, and I think it's a respect thing because like mm-hmm. I, I don't think that he respect the Sixers at all. I think that that's a rivalry, yeah. but I think that there's like negative respect. Well, like, just even the way the Sixers team build is just totally against the way Miami has done it. And I, I think Miami has a respect for Boston because of all the battles they've had, really, the last 15 years, right? I mean, pretty much the modern NBA, I think Miami's biggest rival has been the Boston Celtics. But I, I think that the, this Heat group, for sure, has, like, a. it was really that series that kind of made people take note of this team as well, right? That that series in the bubble. And, and then, obviously, like, Milwaukee comes back and really fucking embarrasses Miami. And I, I forgot who wrote it. It was a great column about like Milwaukee really exercising kind of maybe their biggest demon because even the Raptor series didn't feel like that one. That one, I'm, I'm sure that Raptor fan, like the Raptors, I'm sorry, the, the Bucks probably felt very embarrassed losing a second round series against a five seed. But, you know, it's, it's fun. These are two rival teams. A ton of respect for what they have over there. And, and you guys do great work. So make sure to check them out. Remember, guys, hangover time after every single game this postseason. Hangover time's final year so don't want to miss our special post game series um alf brass me siobhan tiff the crew everybody make sure to check that out after every game we have pre-game before every game 30 minutes before game day tomorrow not a lot of rest so hopefully you know jimmy's ass isn't broken and hopefully some guys can start getting back in lineups and stuff but you know we'll see you there seven i think it's seven thirty tip is it seven or seven thirty yeah seven thirty seven thirty tip be on time rohan i'm telling you man we live in a culture of nobody comes on time. I've never been to an event on time in my life. It's just the culture in Miami. This is Miami time. Like, I haven't been to weddings on time. I'm not any. Nobody's nobody's on time to anything. A dinner reservation, I don't know how it works in other places. They give you a 30-minute grace period here for a dinner reservation. 30 minutes? Yes, because nobody's on time, and everybody knows it. <laughs> oh, I thought it. Like, usually it's like 15. That's 30. That's crazy. I didn't know people that. don't get it. We just don't. We don't show up on time to anything. Court hearings, weddings, birthdays, doctor's appointments, DMV appointments, court mandate order. Nothing. It's crazy. Arrest warrants. Arrest warrants. Like nothing. We're not on time for anything. God forbid there's a flood. And I don't know if you know, but we had massive flooding during yeah. the play. And yeah. So thankfully, you know. No. That, yeah. I have a friend who lives down there. Yeah. A lot of it seems to be resolved, although we had a fucking gas crisis and I, I, there was no gas in South Florida for like a week. So thankfully that looks to be done. But right, guys, get to the arena on time, all that good stuff. We love you guys and we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow for a pregame and then hangover time.